Amen. Right, so Genesis chapter 2, and I just want to look uh, right now, a few verses there from verse 15. So Genesis 2, and from verse 15, the Bible reads, And the Lord God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. And the title of my sermon today is The Biblical Doctrine of Free Will. The Biblical Doctrine of Free Will. Let's go to the Lord in a quick word of prayer. Father, thank you. Uh, Thank you for your word. Thank you for this church. Thank you for everyone here. Uh, Please now just fill me with your spirit. Help me to preach accurately, boldly. Um, Help people to have attentive ears now and just stay alert, stay stay focused on what your word has to say to them. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so like many of the truths of life, the doctrine of free will is constantly under attack, isn't it? Constantly under attack. From the hyper-Calvinist who believes that we're all puppets on a string, just, you know, God just ordains absolutely everything and they come out with all these strange extra-biblical terms about that, to many other false religions who believe some version of that, to the frustrated Christian calling out, why God, you know, to something that's happened which is a result of people's free will. Um, there's a lot of confusion about this topic out there, isn't there? There is a lot of confusion. There's a lot of different teacher here in, in what seem to be, you know, Bible-believing churches as well. And we can easily be affected, and I would say infected, by these false teachings as well, can't we? Um, now, what, what is free will? What is free will? Well, the noun, so when we say the noun, for example, you have free will, um, is free and independent choice, voluntary decision. So you took on the responsibility of your own free will. And in philosophy, the doctrine that the conduct of human beings expresses personal choice and is not simply determined by physical or divine forces. Now, the adjective as well, so you could say I made a free will decision, is made or done freely or of one's own accord, voluntary, a free will contribution, for example, to a political fund. Yeah, right. Of or relating to the metaphysical doctrine of the freedom of the will. Okay, so we're going to look at three areas of free will today. Three areas of free will. And the first area is going to be just in life as a whole. Now, why is it under attack? Why is this doctrine under attack? Well, when it comes to just life, when it comes to just free will in life as a whole, one reason is the good old blame game, isn't it? Passing the buck, blaming someone else. And ultimately, a lot of people just like to blame God, don't they? Blame God for your own choices. And many unbelievers, have you noticed how they seem to like to blame God for the things that happen in life, even though they claim to not believe in God? And then a lot of the time when they tell you they don't believe in God, their answer of why they don't believe in God is because they're annoyed with him about something they feel that he's done. And they don't seem to recognise that so many things that happen in life are actually due to the free will decisions of men in life, aren't they? And we see that a lot, and it is just passing the buck, isn't it? It's just blaming God. A lot of the time, when they start telling you sometimes about these things that happen, already the cogs start turning in your head, and you can see how even they themselves are probably likely to blame to some degree for whatever happened in life, yet they just want to blame God for it. Well, the title, as I said, is a biblical doctrine of free will. Number one is man was given free will with life. So here in Genesis where we are in Genesis 2, God has just created the world, the animals and man. Genesis 2.15 says, And the Lord God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest of thou shalt surely die. So straight away here, at the beginning of time, yeah, the dawn of time here, the first man ever, Adam, is given an option, isn't he? Obey or not. Straight away, obey or not. He's given that decision to make. He's given a choice, isn't he? Sin or don't sin, live or die. Straight away. First thing. Right at the beginning, it's almost like God's trying to make a point here, isn't it? Yeah, that man is given options, he's given choices, he's given free will. Now, you could look at this, and I'm sure many have looked at this and thought, well, you know, why did God have to put that tree there in the first place? You know, why? We could have all been sinless. Why did he allow the serpent to tempt them? Yeah, maybe many people have looked and and thought that. Many Christians throughout time probably have. Because God didn't create robots, did he? Yeah, God didn't create robots because he created us with free will and he wants us to choose the right option. But there has to be the choice there, doesn't there? There has to be a choice for us to choose. If there was never any choice, well, there's no point in free will, is there? Now, there has to be a choice, yeah? There has to be a choice in everything in life if you're going to choose. And 
Look, in fact, the free will in this chapter doesn't just end there. It's not, oh, well, look, straight away he gives them this choice here. Well, keep reading and look at verse 18. And the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I'll make him and help meet for him. And out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all cattle and to the fowl of the air and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found and help meet for him. So Adam is given the right to choose what to name all of the animals straight away again yeah so straight away he's given the choice whether or not to obey god now he's told you can name all the animals his choice his decision again for me god's just making it clear here yeah we have free will we have choice he's, he's making a point of giving him that choice of what he wants to name the animals look at verse 21 and the lord god caused a deep sleep to fall upon adam and he slept and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof and a rib which the lord god had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man and adam said this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man so he also chose what's called woman yeah he also chose the name woman there and obviously that's it that's in the hebrew there is 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 when it was originally written but we don't have to go back to the hebrew here do we we know that adam made that choice as to what to name a woman so right off the bat yeah right off the bat here the first ever man is given a commandment with the ability to break it as we see he's given a choice of what to name the animals and what and what to name woman yeah what to name the female of the species as people like to call them yeah okay so that continues in the chapter 3 though doesn't it and in chapter 3 verse 20 it's not just that he calls her woman well, chapter 3.20 says, And Adam called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living. So, again, straight away, first, first off, straight into the Bible. First time we see man in the Bible, and he's given a choice to obey or not. He's given a choice as to what to name Anna's. He's given a choice as to what to name a woman, and then he's given a choice as to what name he wants to call her as well. Straight away, isn't he? For me, just first of important in the Bible, it's making it really clear free will there isn't it yeah uh, the, the biblical doctrine of free will starts in genesis chapter 2 yet for some bizarre reason there are so-called christians all over the world that believe that god ordains every action in life yeah there are people out there that honestly believe that god is literally ordaining everything and he's kind of having this game where he makes you think that it's free will but it's not really and in fact he's just pulling strings and making everything happen which if you really think about it is saying that god is responsible for absolutely everything that happens in life and that is messed up isn't it because there are some evil wicked nasty things that happen in life which god makes it clear that he hates that he despises that disgusting that abominations to him yet there are people that believe that aren't there yeah, there are people that believe that. Now, so many, obviously, you know, here I'm referring to what you would call Calvinists, but not, not every Calvinist claims to believe that. Some say, well, no, well, what we think is that, you know, God kind of only, only in certain areas of life. We're going to talk about those in a minute. But some do believe that he literally, God is, they use the word sovereign. Now, for some people, the word sovereign isn't a problem. It's just saying that God is king, basically, yeah? God is Lord of Lords. But for many, when they use the word sovereign, they're basically saying that he is controlling absolutely everything. Every minute detail of life is controlled by God. That's messed up, isn't it? That is pretty messed up. Now, like I said, Genesis 2 has a, has a theme, doesn't it, of free will decisions, yeah? Straight away, a theme of it. And like I said, there are, there are those out there that want to blame God for every bad thing that happens and, and they rarely credit him with the good things, do they? So when we're out soul winning, we, we've seen this go across to people where, where I don't know if it's come from, because a lot of them aren't Calvinists, they're just kind of non-believer, agnostic types or, or what, you know, some might claim, they go, oh, I'm an atheist. And then you say to them, oh, okay, well, would you like me to show you? Well, you know, if God was really real, why would he do this? And it's straight away, it's into hatred of God, isn't it? It's into blaming God, passing the blood, blaming him. But I bet they never give him credit for all the good things that happen in life, do they? I bet they don't give him credit that the, the fact they even woke up in the morning and they were even able to have food on their table, they had a roof over their head and everything else. And, and, and of course, many people don't, do they? They like to blame, but they don't like to give credit. Um, but is it God's fault that they made those certain choices in their life? So God gives us free will, and that stretches across the world, doesn't it? Yeah. So across the world, there's free will in life. 
And you hear it, he took so-and-so away from me. Yeah, you hear that a lot, don't you? Yeah, yeah, he took this person. Or, or what about this one that that vile reprobate Stephen Fry came out with? What about babies with bone cancer? Yeah, that vile reprobate Stephen Fry that claims to be an atheist yet then stands up on some talk show and starts basically going on a rant against God and blaming him for everything that he considers to be bad in the world. Yeah, well... Well, what about that? Did God tell people to use known carcinogens because they're cheaper or because they make people more profit? Did God, did God tell people to do that? Did he say when there's known things that, that in fact, he made it clear what to do when there was, when there was like, like deep, nasty mould in houses and things like that, didn't he? He didn't say, I'll just carry on if it's cheaper. Well, if, you know, if it's going to work out, you can build blocks. You know, you, you use the mould-infested blocks because they're a bit cheaper. And really, that's what it comes down to, isn't it? The love of money. The love of money is such a big part of all of it. You don't have to turn to it. He warned us in 1 Timothy 6, 9, but they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. Because that's what it comes down to a lot of the time. We were talking about this with asbestos the other day when we were at Soul Winning. We were going through some blocks and they just kept giving us kind of the asbestos warnings and non-warnings on all these blocks. And... And ultimately, it just came down to money, didn't it? Yeah, just came down to money. It was cheap. It was cheap. It was apparently good insulation, but it was cheap. And, it was, and they were using it everywhere because of how cheap they could do it. And I, I, do you think there wasn't someone up there that didn't know deep down there was a problem with it? Do you think they'd done all the necessary testing? I'm sure they hadn't because now people seem to be quite clued up about what, what happens with it. But it was cheap. And it was people making money to get rich. And it's not just asbestos, is it? And we see that in many, many areas of life. Babies dying in a boat. And I'm not saying that that's why. Well, there are some other reasons. Did God tell people to inject themselves and their children with who know what? Who knows what? Did he say that? Did he say that in the Bible? Did he say, go out and just, just let someone just make a little cocktail of whatever you... And really, it's modern-day witchcraft, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it's modern-day witchcraft. Just make a cocktail of whatever you like, shove it in that baby. You have got no idea. Most people won't even read what's in it, will they? Most people in the world, most mothers and fathers around this world, around this nation, especially in, in, in hospitals, do they even ask what the ingredients are? Do they even bother to look at it? Do they even try and make even a, a, a slightly informed decision or do they just jab up their baby straight away because they're told to do so? Did God tell you to do that? No. God didn't tell us to do that, did he? In fact, he told us through David in Psalms 139, verse 14, I will praise thee for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvellous are thy works and my soul knoweth right well. Yeah, if you, if you believe, if you believe that God made you great, why do you need an upgrade from the doctor gods? Why do you need the doctor gods start jabbing you up with all sorts? Of, and it's got absolutely ridiculous, isn't it now? Amen. I mean, I remember when I was young, those, those, uh, that three and one, that MMR was a big deal. Yeah, and there were people, people who were pro-vax going, I think I'll just go for one at a time. Yeah, one at a time. Now, five in one, six in one, so what's the biggest one? Is it a six in one? Yeah, I think it's a six. Yeah, oh yeah, just six in one, straight in that little baby. Absolutely wicked, isn't it? Absolutely, just, just vile, isn't it, what goes on? But did God tell us to do that? But, but no, but it's God's fault when that baby ends up getting bone cancer. And maybe it's not because of that. Maybe there's another reason, but I'll tell you what, it's not that God went, right, you're going to get bone cancer. Okay, so what else? What else did God say? Did God say, well, as long as you can chew it and swallow it, and someone calls it food, eat it. And if it's a liquid, drink it. Did God say that as well? Did he just say, look, if someone puts it in a packet and sells it in the food, I'll just eat it. Did he say that? Did he say just, just, just as long as they call it that, as long as, they, as long as it's liquid, just drink it. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because, you know, someone, someone else... Some guy, some, some people in some massive corporation somewhere who seem... Have you ever noticed how small the ownership of, of all our big food industry labels actually is? I was looking at... So, what was it? Nestle recently. We were talking about this recently with someone I was out sold with. I mean, they, they own, like, like... You think you've got this competition, but they own, like, half the cereals and all these other things, don't they? They're all just under different, you know, subsidiary companies, but it's all owned by the same people. Now, I'm not standing here saying, well, everyone in Nestle is wicked, but what I am saying is there's a lot of poison, a lot of foods, aren't there? There's a lot of bizarre additives and bizarre... Th oh, well, well, the FDA said it's all right. Oh, well, that's all right then. Oh, well, what, what have we got here? The, the version of the Food and Drug Administration, our, our English version. Well, they said it's all right, so, so I'll just eat it. In fact, I'll just shove it to my kids. Yeah, well, <laughs> I don't want to be mean. Don't want to stop my kids eating a drink. Well, what on earth, yeah? Did God say that, though? 
No, do you know what God did say? And again, you don't have to turn there, but he said in Genesis 1, 20, 29, and God said, behold, I've given you every herb bearing seed, which is upon the face of all the earth, and every tree in which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed, to you it shall be for meat. Yeah, that, that's things that grow. Yeah, things that grow that he gave us, he gave us to eat. And then he added in Genesis 9, 3, after the flood, every moving thing that liveth shall be meat for you, even as a green herb have I given you all things. So that, to me, is animals, and that, to me, is things which grow. Yeah, that, to me, isn't some guy in a lab coat somewhere trying to extract what he can and change things and add all sorts of bizarre concoctions and everything else to, to make you enjoy it more and to make you get addicted to that food and drink. And people, look, do, do, is anyone here sitting here thinking, yeah, but I'm sure it doesn't do you any harm. Look, I, I'm sure you could get away with something. Yeah, I, we don't have to be just completely like, right, I can't touch anything. What's on that one? You know, someone offers you something. Oh, well, I don't know what's on that. Unless you've got allergies, intolerances and things like that. Yeah, maybe we don't have to go that far. But I'll tell you what, what you buy at home and what you feed your kids and what you have as a regular. And what, look, our body's pretty, pretty durable. Yeah, yeah, our body can get away with the odd thing. But what you do as a regular, as a routine, we should take some interest, shouldn't we? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, because God yeah. told us what, it, what we should eat and drink. Yeah. And he didn't, tell us, he didn't tell us to just partake in whatever anyone gives you. Yeah, that's what I think. Well, but he did give us free will, didn't he? He did give us free will to make those choices. So I suppose you could blame him for that, couldn't you? Oh, well, how dare you give me free will, God? How dare you make, let me make those decisions? But do you really want to be a robot? Does anyone here want to be a robot? I don't fancy the idea of being a robot. Yeah, it doesn't sound so fun to me. So yeah, God gave us free will. Now, there's the next question. They go, well, why is it God intervening with all the wicked? You heard that one before, yeah? So well, why, why does he let this happen? Why does he let that happen? Well, if he's going to do a mass intervention and bring the physical death penalty forward, yeah, and they all die in the end, don't they? Yeah, but if he's going to bring all that forward, well, isn't that everyone then because the wage of sin is death? Yeah? He's going to bring the intervention forward and just go, right, I'm not going to let anyone get away with sin anymore. Oh, oh no, no, that's only the wicked. Oh, well, why does he let the wicked? Well, I, I, I would hazard a guess that everyone here is capable of wickedness. Yeah? And we like to put a line on it, don't we? Why does he let that one get away with it, but what about this one? Yeah, we like to do that, don't we? Everyone loves to kind of give their own idea of what they think is wicked. Well, the Bible says, for there is not a just man upon the earth that doeth good and sinneth not, doesn't it? Yeah, so again, if, they, if he brought the death penalty forward, that's all of us. But where is your line then? Well, bad sins. What about really bad sins? Well, that's sins that hurt others. Look, we're all capable of sins that hurt others, aren't we? Yeah, or what, what about, and look, there are some, look, don't get me wrong, yeah? I understand that there is levels of sin, yeah? There are, yeah? There's no doubt about that. All sin is not equal. All sin isn't equal. But I tell you what, everyone here is capable and does commit sins which in God's eyes are wicked. Yeah, uh, bad sins. Where is your line? Because the Bible said, we spoke about it last week, that lying lips are abomination. Amen. Yet, everyone's lied. Let God be true and every man a liar. So, every one of us at times has been an abomination to God. So, do we want him to just intervene? Take out those that we, who do sins that he hates? Because we're all capable of sins that he hates, aren't we? What about, well, the Bible's clear that cross-dressing is abomination, isn't it? Yeah? Cross-dress is abomination. You don't have to turn there again, but the woman shall not wear that which pertaineth unto a man, neither shall a man put on a woman's garment. For that do so are abomination unto the Lord thy God. Now, by the way, that used to be one that did seem to be written on people's hearts, didn't it? And I just want to bring this up quickly because um, I, I, have had, I have had people ask me questions recently about this and there are some that are newer to church and things or this type of church which preaches the whole counsel of God and, and I've had I had questions a while back as well people go well, are you banning people from going soul winning if they dare to wear you know if they don't wear a skirt and I said no they can of course we, we wouldn't stop anyone going soul winning but I said but if you're representing our church we do like you to be dressed appropriately okay if you're coming and you're going to be a member of, and you're going out and you're preaching the gospel yeah if you're coming and you look you've come and joined our church we're not forcing 
anyone. You come here in trousers every week if you want. Okay? It's, you're not here to impress me. Okay? And you're not here to impress anyone else at the church, ladies especially. Because this one is a hard one for ladies. Okay? And I do appreciate that. It can be difficult because a lot of ladies, they feel, well, that, that's, you know, that, that was my identity is what some of them feel. Yeah? And this is how I was used to dressing. And it's hard to just go, right, now I'm at someone, some guy from behind a pulpit said that it's an abomination to dress in a pair of trousers. So that's it. I've got to be in everything and change my wardrobe. And, and a lot of people find that difficult. Yeah? And, and, they, and, and I get that. Yeah? I do get that. But if God says something's an abomination, if God says he hates something, like, isn't that the most important thing? Yeah? It is, isn't it? Because it's not about, it's not about what the people at church think. If it's just at church, look, 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 the eyes of God are everywhere, aren't they? Yeah? Okay, they're everywhere every time. So if you're just dressed in a skirt for church, you might as well not bother, honestly. Come in a pair of trousers, it doesn't bother me. Honestly, yeah? If you're just dressing in a skirt when you're around Christians, don't bother. Because it's not about them, it's about God. And that's, that's where you've got to get to. It's, it's what your heart is. Yeah, yeah? and oh, yeah, but I just, so, I, I just find it so comfortable. Look, there are women throughout history that didn't even believe in the Word of God who have worn skirts throughout history and dresses. You know there are still elderly people in this country that, that, that have no care for God at all that would not put on a, a pair of trousers. Still alive to this day. Yeah, who are in care homes in skirts and dresses because they don't want to look like a man. Because deep down in them, they know it's wrong. And just because we've been brainwashed, brainwashed over, what's really, it's quite a more recent brainwash this, isn't it? Yeah. That there are still, sadly, Christian women who, who know the word of God, they know what it says, who still refuse. Apart from when it's in front of other people. Okay, that's not right, is it? Because you got it all wrong, yeah? Look, and, and that's the point you want to get to, is the point you just look at it and go, but, but God says it's an abomination, yeah? And what God says is what matters. Like I said, this isn't a recent thing. This is, oh, it's some newfangled thing. Throughout, look, throughout history in this country, up until, what would you say, kind of the 60s just before, yeah, did they start trying to push it and promote it? But up until then, everyone was wearing dresses and skirts. Oh! How terrible. What, you know, how are you going to do your... What, what, what is it that you can't do? What is it you can't do? So why is it that there are still... And I'm sure... But no, I'll say it now. I'm sure there are women in this, in this church right now who still hate the fact that they have to wear a skirt or dress because either their husband says so or because they're at church. But what did God say? He said, the woman shall not wear that which pertaineth unto a man. What other item of clothing are we talking about then? And like I've talked about this before, you can go back to other sermons. It's about, it's a, it, look, it's a question of anatomy as well, okay? In a pair of trousers, you're generally basically revealing a lot more than you are as a man in a pair of trousers, okay? And it's about anatomy, and it's clear as day, there is no other item of clothing we're talking about here. So it says, neither shall a man put on a woman's garment. And, that, and everyone here, I'm sure, and all the women here would agree that would be an abomination, wouldn't it? Yeah? For all that do so are abomination unto the Lord thy God. And if I turned up in a skirt, like I said many times, and sorry to give you that visual image, wipe it out quickly, but that would be <laughs> disgusting, wouldn't it? Yeah. Absolutely. And, and, and I'll be honest, that's how I feel. That, honestly, the more I read my Bible and the more I... And, and like, I'm not trying to say I'm this holy, great guy, but the more I, I try and grow in, in the Lord, the more I hate it. The more I hate it when I see women in trousers. Amen. The more I hate it, it disgusts me. So, look, but it's not about me. And the point, anyway, back to the point of the sermon. It's free will, isn't it? Yeah, we have free will. But God's made it clear and we love to judge other people. We love to go, well, he should do this. He should do that. But so many here are, are committing abominations. And look, all us men who don't have a problem with that particular angle, let's not get too much on our high horses because I'm sure every man here... A lot of them probably regularly lie, okay? And lie lips are abomination to the Lord thy God, okay? Amen. So let's not get too carried away here, because I know this is a particular one that is a bit of a challenge for women nowadays, in this day and age, but wasn't before, okay? It wasn't before. Anyway, let's continue. So where's our line? Because we can't have a line, can we, with that, okay? And look, ultimately, God allows free will. And that, that does result in some wicked things going on in the world, Yeah. And like I said, some of those wicked things are things that we partake in ourselves, but we love to put ourselves up on a pedestal. Turn to 2 Samuel 24. Now, God does intervene sometimes. So I'm not trying to say that everything just takes course, because God does sometimes intervene in life, doesn't he? Yeah, we see that. We see that in the Bible. The Bible gives many examples of that, especially with his children. And obviously, often that's a direct result of prayer, isn't it? Yeah? 
that's as a direct result of prayer and God and that's what a lot of the time we're praying for is God's intervention in life aren't we okay and sometimes look there's nothing wrong by the way with praying for intervention with those real vile wicked things that go on and those wicked people is there because the Bible gives us example after example of that of what we call imprecatory psalms where where men of God filled with the Holy Spirit are praying for God to end the life and a lot of the time in a pretty savage way or maybe not even end the life maybe just smash some teeth out yeah or maybe just cut off a limb or something else and these are people that are calling for that to happen or break limbs and everything else yeah there's nothing wrong with that and and, and these holier than now christians that claim that oh well we just you know even the most vile sick child abuser we love them we just want to get them. say you liar yeah that's a lie and men of god clearly throughout the bible will call for punishment of those people okay but but back to the point here there are many verses, yeah, there are many verses, again, if you're still not, if you're still wondering, going, yeah, but I keep hearing that God is sovereign, yeah, I've heard it throughout whenever, whatever church, well, what about, again, you have to turn there, but Proverbs 11, 14 says, where no counsellors, the people fall, but in the multitude of counsellors, there is safety. The Bible's clear that you should be getting counsel on your decision, I mean, the whole Bible, I mean, this first point is almost pointless, okay, I would hope I'm preaching to the choir, from Genesis 2 onwards, it is, there is no doubt at all that we have free will in life, isn't it? Isn't it a bizarre, bizarre, just weird false doctrine that, isn't it? Okay, obviously we're told to get good advice before making decisions because we all make decisions in life, yeah? Okay, but I like this example that you just turned to in 2 Samuel 24 because it involves God punishing David, so God's giving out the punishment and Israel, okay, and ultimately it's Israel that he wants to punish, but still giving him a choice in what punishment it is. Okay, so again, even here, and this is just an amusing one, just kind of, uh, just for the end of this point, because what happens in 2 Samuel 24 here is that David's just sinned against God by numbering his army, even though Joab's reminded him that God fights for them and, and basically the number's not important, okay? And he's got, numbering them anyway, and God's actually moved him or through the devil to do this. Well, it says in verse 10, And David's heart smote him after that he had numbered the people, and David said unto the Lord, I have sinned greatly in that I have done, and now I beseech thee, O Lord, take away the iniquity of thy servant, for I have done very foolishly. On to verse 11, For when David was up in the morning, the word of the Lord came unto the prophet Gad, David, seer, saying, Go and say unto David, Thus saith the Lord, I offer thee three things, Choose thee one of them, that I may do it unto thee. So basically, the cane, the wooden stick, or the slipper, yeah? It's one of those, yeah? So which one do you want? The cane, maybe the, the thick stick, or the slipper? Well, what does David go for? So Gad came to David and told him, Send to him, Shall seven years of famine come unto thee in thy land? Or wilt thou flee three months before thine enemies while they pursue thee? Or that there be three days, excuse me, pestilence in thy land? Now advise and see what answer I shall return to him that sent me. And David said unto Gad, I am in a great strait, let us fall now into the hand of the Lord, for his mercies are great, and let me not fall into the hand of man. So the Lord sent a pestilence upon Israel from the morning even to the time pointed, and there died of the people from Dan, even to Beersheba, 70,000 men. Okay, so just there, just, just, just a classic example where God's even given him the option of what punishment he gets, okay? Free will all day long. Yeah, free will, look, clear as day in the Bible, okay? Right, I don't think anyone could argue that. Surely, if you want to argue that, please come and see me after the service. Okay, turn to John chapter 3. So, that one's an obvious one, I believe. From the beginning of the Bible, we make decisions in life. Okay, the title, obviously, is the biblical doctrine of free will. Number one was man was given free will with life. Number two is man was given free will with salvation. Okay, man was given free will with salvation. Now, in John chapter 3, famous verses from verse 14, Jesus said, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That word whosoever that we see time and time again in the Bible, what does it mean? Well, it's a, com it's a combination of whoso and ever, anyone, any person, whatever, yeah? Okay, whosoever. Whosoever means anyone and everyone because we have free will to get saved, don't we? Yeah, yeah we have free will whether or not we receive salvation or not. 
Now, that should be obvious again, shouldn't it? That should be obvious from this verse alone and many others like this. But of course, there are the Calvinists that believe that there's no choice involved at all. Again, what a bizarre, well, borderline religion with a lot. And look, I understand there are, say, people that can get mixed up in Calvinism, but it is bizarre, isn't it? Absolutely bizarre. Now, they misuse verses where Jesus is talking about choosing his 12 disciples, for example. Um, verses that talk of God's foreknowledge, yeah, which is different to him deciding from the beginning who will and won't get saved. Verses that talk about being predestinated, but it's predestinated to a glorified body. Yeah? Verses that refer to us as the elect because... We are that spiritual nation of Israel, aren't we? Okay, and all these, and, and they misuse all of this. They take it out of context. They then ham it all together. And then they ignore countless clear salvation verses which say it is open to all. Yeah, don't they? They obviously mix up a bit of, they take a bit of where God's talking about reprobates. We'll talk about that in a minute as well. And they mix it all together and just come out with this. Basically, if you've never heard this before, this doctrine, the, and, and this is big in, in what people know, know of as Christianity and what seems to be or claims to be Bible. Believe in Christianity. There are, there are these people everywhere that at least believe some element of Calvinism that it was predetermined before you were born whether or not you would get saved. You had no choice about it whatsoever. Okay, God decided, he said, you're going to get saved, you're not. You're going to get saved, you're not. And that's how he went. In fact, it's more like, you're not, you're not, you're not, you're not, you are. You're not, because the vast majority of people are going to hell, aren't they? Okay, what an absolutely bizarre thing. But, but like I, we've talked about this a bit before, so we went through it in Romans, uh, Romans 8 and 9 a little bit as well. And, and Calvinism is big, yeah, because it sounds so clever and it sounds so intellectual and it sounds so you know, many other things. But what, what's really the goal of it, do you think? What's really the main goal? Yeah, and it limits, it limits soul winning, basically. Okay, that's ultimately what it is. It's an attack on soul winning. Because when you believe in Calvinism, you basically believe that God's going to get someone saved anyway. So what is the point in going out and preaching the gospel? Because it's irresistible. It's irresistible, man. Yeah, there's no way of them resisting. Someone's going to do it. So why do I bother doing it? Yeah, why do I bother doing it? Most of those people are going to go to hell anyway. Yeah, and the ones that aren't, well, God's going to get them saved because he's already decided they're going to be saved. And that's what really it's about, isn't it? And, and they try and, you know, wrap it up with a lot of clever, long-sounding words. A lot of so-called doctors of theology like to talk about this sort of stuff, which puts them up on this sort of pedestal where people just believe them anyway, because they use long words. Yeah, they must be right. They use long words, they sound posh. Okay, so why, how could they be wrong? Because they're much cleverer than some guys who are standing behind a pulpit in a local church somewhere saying it's wicked. Yeah, it's of the devil. But it is wicked and it is of the devil. Okay, now... Like I said, what's the reason to, to really to limit soul winning? That's the main one with Calvinism. But we're, the Bible is clear. The Bible is clear that it is whosoever, yeah? Countless verses. I'm just going to go through a few, and I've done this before, but it, just to remind you, yeah? Let's, let's go through a few again. And go over just to John chapter 4 while you're in John chapter 3, because there are a few more in John's Gospel. John chapter 4 and verse 14 says, But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. That's a whosoever there. Go to John chapter 11 while I read Acts 2.21. You go to John 11. Acts 2.21 says, And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And John chapter 11 and verse 26 says, And whosoever liveth and abideth in me shall never die believest thou this john 12 and verse 46 over the page there says john 12 46 i am come a light into the world that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness now turn to romans 9 while i read acts 10 43 turn to romans 9 acts 10 43 says to him give all the prophets witness that through his name Whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. You're in Romans 9, hopefully, and verse 33 says, as, as it is written, Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone and rock of offence, and whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Over to Romans 10, 13, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. 
Okay, last couple. Turn to Revolution, uh, Revelation, and it is revolutionary, but Revelation chapter 22, well, I read 1 John 4.15, which reads, Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he in God. 1 John 5.1 says, Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone that loveth him that begat loveth him also that is begotten of him. And Revelation 22 and from, from verse 16, Revelation 22 verse 16, says, I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright and morning star. And the spirit and the bride say, come. And let him that heareth say, come. And let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. What a great verse there is there. Yeah, the spirit and the bride say, come. And let him that heareth say, come. Let him that is a, that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. Okay, it's, it's clear as day, isn't it, in the Bible? Clear as day. And they're, they're just clear salvation verses, many verses that many of us will use when we're out soul winning. It's as clear as day, isn't it? Getting saved is a free will decision. And that's something, though, okay, that, that's, I th again, I, I hope that everyone here is aware of that. I'd, again, if, you, if you're still a bit unsure about that, we'd happy, this isn't just a sermon on Calvinism, would would happily talk you through this afterwards. But, it is something we have to remember when we're giving the gospel though, isn't it? Yeah, we have to remember that. Yes, we pray you in God's stead, be reconciled to God, yeah? But we can't force people to believe, okay? You can't force someone to get saved. And it's something, yet, look, we, we do have to remember when we're out preaching the gospel because it even includes you can't force someone to hear the gospel, okay? Please, look, and it does happen out here and I, I've witnessed it with people and look, uh, again, this isn't some big criticism. Anyone who's going out preaching the gospel, please continue to preach the gospel. Don't think, oh, what, what if, you know, I hope Brother Ian's not got his spies out, you know, or I don't want to go with him in case he, like, pulls me up on it. Look, I just want to edify the church. It's easier if I just do it to the whole church, okay? I will pull people up when I'm out with them, and I have done, and will continue to do so if there's things that I think, look, maybe you should not do it like this or like that. Ultimately, it's great that people from this church are going out preaching the gospel because most people don't, okay? But, but, uh, oh, and on that, I understand that most of the reason for this is people who are just zealous. They're zealous, they want to get people saved, and I get that. Yeah, we want to get people saved, don't we? And isn't it gutting when you just like, why don't you? When you get the umming and ahhing, or the kind of, well, the iron's on. Yeah, you just come on. And you want to persuade them to listen, don't you? Yeah, and look, there's nothing wrong with trying to persuade someone, but you can't force them. You can't force them but you're not doing any good there. You ain't getting them saved, okay? You force someone that doesn't want to hear it, you're going to waste your time and, and ultimately, in a way, their time a lot of the time as well. Because a lot of the time, they just switch off. You notice that? Yeah, yeah where you kind of force them, they, kind of, they can't get a word in edgeways. There are many people that just can't say no. Okay, there are many people in life that just can't say no. And something you have to learn, something in leadership you're trying to learn is, is, is to give people that option of saying no when really they just can't say it. Because sometimes it's easy, you could just go up to people and make them do stuff, but they don't really want to do it. And you want people with free will choosing to do things, don't you? So sometimes, you, you know, you want to give them that, that look, are you sure? look, with salvation, I'm not saying you're going, look, are you 100% sure that you want me to, are you sure? Look, look, look. You know, let's do maybe a little tick box and, and a score out of 10. How, look, obviously, if they say yeah, they say yeah. But gauge it. Some people are just going, uh, uh, okay, but, but they're in the process of trying to shut, the, you know, they're, 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 there's a crack in the door and you're trying to preach and, oh, well, let me leave you with one verse, foot in the door. And then it's sort of, you know, next thing it's, it, you've given the one verse and you carry on and preach half the gospel to them. And in the end, they just, oh, this guy's just not going to just, just, oh. in their mind, they just start thinking, I'll just say what he wants me to say. Yeah, I'll just, if I just say what, say the right things, this guy's going to take his foot out of my door. This guy's gonna let me drive off. I've got the engine started, yeah? I start the engine while this guy's trying to talk to me, or this lady's trying to talk to me. The engine started, I'm revving the engine and they won't stop. They're just carrying on, trying to, look. Look, ultimately, you got, you've got to take some cues as well, yeah? And give them, and give them that option, say, would you like me to continue? Yeah. It's much better that than wasting, oh, look, how many hours are you soul winning a week? Yeah. Look, whether it's, two hours, you know, on a Sunday, or it's three, four hours when you had a midweek. Maybe you're, you're going to all the midweeks, and, and you're doing seven, eight, look. Regardless, you still need to give that time to the people that want to hear, yeah? So we need to remember, it's free will not only to get saved, yeah? And it is free will, and look, you can't force someone. Do, do not force them, 
Okay, because well, you just you ain't going to get them saved. Okay, if you're forcing them, they're not making that decision. A and don't force them to listen as well. Okay, take the cues. Look, it's good to have it's good to have zeal. It's good to want to get people saved, but look, you've got to give them that choice. Okay, they have the choice to accept or reject. Because, look, there's another whosoever free will in the Bible, isn't there? Okay, stay in Revelation, but go to chapter 20. Matthew 10, 14 says, And whosoever shall not receive you, nor hear your words, when ye depart out of that house or city, shake off the dust of your feet. Okay, there are people that have the free will decision to reject you, and not to even hear your word. And there are many that do that, don't they? They just don't want to hear it, but there are some that we could just force to hear it, even though they don't want to. And it didn't say there, Whosoever shall not receive you, nor hear your words, jam your foot in their door yeah whosoever will not hear you know will not receive you or hear your words just talk so fast that they can't get a word in edgeways just keep going through the scriptures don't take a breath and hopefully they're just going to eventually accept the gospel okay no it says whosoever shall not receive you nor hear your words when you depart out of that house or city shake off the dust of your feet he's basically saying just just move on yeah move on Get, get away from there. Look, if someone says to me no, yeah, if someone says no, I, look, and it's nice, sometimes there are people that are in a rush and you leave a verse, but often I know they, there's nobody, like, they don't even want to hear a verse. They're just like, no, not interested. I'm not, oh, well, well uh, wait, wait, wait. You know, it's just like, no, they don't want to, quick, I want to get to that next, I want to get to that next door quick. Yeah, because I'm running out of time. That's a wait, that's, that's 15 seconds now. I want to get to someone. Because you want to get people saved, don't you? Yeah, and, and look, sure, if someone wants to hear a verse, give them the option of that as well. Can I leave you a verse? Not just like, right, well, this, blah, 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 and, and, you know, suddenly it's, it, then you're trying to then go into a full gospel presentation after that. Okay, Revelation, did you turn to Revelation chapter 20? Well, this is at whosoever, another whosoever. Revelation 2015 says, and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Because there's free will to reject the gospel and there's free will to be cast into the lake of fire ultimately, isn't there? Yeah, and, and there are people that know what the gospel is and they, they, they reject it, don't they? They reject it for many, many of their own reasons, but we have to accept that. Turn over to 2 Peter 3. Because it gets even more difficult when it comes to loved ones, doesn't it? Okay, that's when this starts getting difficult. Because with loved ones, you just want to pin them down and force them to get saved. Yeah? You want to do your best to make them get saved. And so what do we do with loved ones? Do we just keep praying, Lord, get them saved? Lord, save this person. Is, do you think that's the answer? Because you can, but is it is the problem that God's just not saving them? Is that the problem? Is the problem that you're just not praying enough for them to get saved? Well, 1 Timothy 2.4, talking of God, says, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. Yeah? Who will, this is God, will have all men to be saved to come unto the knowledge of the truth. Look, God wants everyone to get saved. It's not that God isn't saving them. It's their choice. Yeah? It's everyone's individual choice. 2 Peter 3.9 and again, this just flies in the face of Calvinism, all of this, doesn't it? 2 Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slack, slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God wants all men to change their mind and get saved, doesn't he? Yeah, he wants all men to put their faith in Jesus Christ, but there are pride issues, there are hang-ups, feelings of immortality, just wanting to hide from the light and all those other things that prevent many, aren't there? Yeah. And look, maybe praying for those things, maybe that would be more effective. Praying for the best timing possible. Yeah. Praying for whatever hang up you can see that there's an issue there for, for God to get tear that down somehow, for things to work, for, for them to at least be in the best possible position to, to then still try and give them that free will choice to accept the gospel. It's not that God's not saving them, it's that they're not choosing to get saved, but there can be blocks and issues that maybe you can pray to be torn down. Maybe praying for boldness, praying for boldness to give them the gospel at the right time, praying for, for guidance with that, praying for that timing, praying for boldness to open your mouth, preach boldly the gospel. I think for me that's probably more effective than just your prayers every night, please let this person get saved. Yeah. yeah. 
Because it's clear that God wants all men to be saved, isn't it? Isn't that clear in the Bible? God wants all men to be saved and for all to come to repentance. Now, sadly, there are those that choose to reject, aren't there? There are those that choose to reject and choose to go the other way, okay? Now, you can reject, but there are those that choose to go the other way. Now, Proverbs one twenty nine. if you want to turn there, Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 29 is talking of the reprobate. I think Proverbs 1 is talking of the reprobate. It says in Proverbs one twenty nine. <clears throat> for that they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord, they would none of my counsel, they despised all my reproof. So they exercise their free will, don't they? Yeah, they don't choose God. They choose to go the other way. And well, God gives them over, doesn't he? God then gives them over. But they still had that choice at the beginning. Okay, so don't get confused there. There aren't people that, right, well, God's just labelled them. They're going to be reprobate. God knows. God knows everything. He got God, you know, God is omnipresent, isn't he? Yeah, but he doesn't choose that. He doesn't choose that. They chose that. Okay, they chose to reject God. They choose that. Then he gives them over after that point. Now, until that point, they were one of the whosoevers. Okay, that's how it works. Everyone at the beginning of life is a whosoever. Okay, it's up to them what choices they make in life. Now, turn to John chapter 8. The title is The Biblical Doctrine of Free Will. Number one is man was given free will with life. I think that's clear as day without the, the, the poison lens of Calvinism on. Number two is man was given free will with salvation. And number three is man was given free will with discipleship. Okay, man was given free will with discipleship. Now, you might be thinking, wait a minute, haven't I got mixed up with points two and three here? You know, should, shouldn't I still be in point two about salvation? Because isn't a disciple someone that gets saved? Well, no, salvation and discipleship are two separate things, yeah? They're two completely separate things. John 8 and verse 30, John 8, 30 says, As he spake these words, many believed on him. What does that mean? That means they're saved, yeah? What must I do to be saved? Believe on, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and thy house. So, as he spake these words, many believed on him. Okay, these are people getting saved. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, these are saved people, aren't they? If, if ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And by the way, he's not talking about free in terms of salvation, he's talking about free of the burdens of sin in life. So, if ye continue on my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. So according to Jesus, it's one thing being saved, and it's another thing being a disciple, yeah? Clear there, isn't it? Yeah? If ye continue on my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. Because how many times have you heard from these sort of, again, claiming to be Bible-believing churches, well, if they come to church, if they come to church, then we know they're saved. Well, firstly, does coming to church mean that they're saved? Yeah, no. Okay, no, in fact, we've had a lot of people coming here that aren't saved, we? Yeah, and, and most of the time we manage to get them saved if they walk in here. But is coming to church, no, that doesn't mean someone's saved, does it? No, and, and you hear that a lot, don't you? You hear that a lot. You hear, you hear basically some version or other, again, of the Calvinist perseverance of the saints. Now, this is a doctrine where they believe that if you're saved, you will persevere in life as basically... And, and again, what's their line? Because they're all sinners, aren't they? So what's your persevering line? There is no line, is there? But they mean come to church and tithe, probably, yeah? Or come to church, tithe, and maybe, you know, do, do whatever that church decides is, is makes you a disciple in their mind yeah maybe read the bible maybe basically believe in calvinism yeah <laughs> then you're definitely a disciple well that's not according to jesus he said if you continue my word then are you my disciples indeed but he's talking to those which believed on him so it's nonsense isn't it there is no line yeah there is no line to determine whether or not someone's saved the line is did they believe on the lord jesus christ that's why romans 4 5 says but to him that worketh not but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly his faith is counted for righteousness yeah so there could be someone that does absolutely nothing for god at all but his faith is counted for righteousness now turn to joshua 24 because we all have the choice to be a disciple and serve the Lord or take the free gift of salvation and worketh not. Now, why is it under attack? Well, you've got the work salvationists, yeah? It's just a kind of, you know, other way around work salvation and trying to show their faith through their works and everything else. But 
really, again, it's an attack on soul winning, yeah? As usual, it's just an attack on soul winning because it's basically meant to demoralise you about your soul winning. It's to demoralise you, it's to think that you're not really getting people saved because they're not turning up at church. You're not really getting people saved because they're not whatever your parameters are for being a disciple, yeah? Well, that person must not have been saved because they left our church. Maybe they just thought I was a lousy preacher. Maybe they just didn't like the church. Maybe they just didn't want to serve God. Maybe they found a church that's more them. Whatever it is, it doesn't mean that, that, that they weren't saved, does it? But really, what's it really doing? It makes you go out and it makes you worry that, oh, well, maybe I didn't really get that person saved because I haven't heard from them since. I didn't get them saved because I don't really want to respond to my, to, to my messages now. I didn't really, um, did I really? And then, and then people start to get demoralised about soul winning. And that's, it. that's the goal of it, isn't it? And that's the goal of this, the, these, these wicked ones. And that's the goal, really, a lot of the time, you get guys who are saved, you get the soul in these sort of, and, and again, just my experience of what an absolutely atrocious church is. And it's not that all old IFB or whatever you want to call them, churches are atrocious. We just sadly had got down to the bare bones in this country, okay? Where they were so bad, where they were really irritated by you soul winning, okay? And whether they were saved or not, well, we'll find out at the end with some of them. But, but some of them weren't, but, but they seem to act the same as the ones that seem to be saved. And they would basically be saying, well, you know, well, if they come to church and well, you know, and then they'd start, you know, they'd come out with all their lines like, well, did they really get saved? And little, little comments here and there to try and demoralize you, to try and discredit soul winning because they're not out soul winning. Okay, and really, sometimes it's to make themselves feel better about it. And other times it's, it's wicked. I, I, I do believe that some of those churches, they are, they're a clever, they're a clever sort of false prophet. They look the part, they dress the part, they sound the part. It just seems to be a bit of a dead church because they're not really preaching that hard, but they're acceptable churches and people languish there into obscurity. And there are many Christians around this nation that, that people have met that have ended up in churches like that around the country and, and they're, they're barely soul winning anymore, they're barely doing anything because they've ended up just being sucked into these sort of churches where they just, demor they just crush your spirit week in, week out. Well, fortunately, we're not in a church now. We're in a church where we want you to go soul winning, where we want to preach you go soul winning, where we're happy when you go soul winning, but we want you to do it right as well. Okay, but with discipleship, it doesn't go hand in hand. We want to encourage that though, don't we? We want to encourage that. But when Jesus, when Jesus healed 10 lepers, only one came back and gave glory to him, didn't he? Okay, and, and I think we're going to see in this nation, we're going to see worse ratios than that, aren't we? Okay, we're going to see worse ratios than that. Now, okay. It doesn't mean they're not saved. So how do we know? How do we know when someone is saved? How do we know that someone's saved? What do we know? Well, turn to Matthew chapter 12. Is it if they're getting chastised when they do bad things? Well, again, people seem to have bad things happen in life whether they're saved or not, don't they? I know some very ungodly people that go through things that we would be saying if it was a Christian, they're getting chastised. Yeah, and, and look, we have to go through life as Christians as well, don't we? Yeah, yeah. okay, God causes it to rain and shine on the just and the unjust, doesn't he? And so, okay, what about, what about wanting to soul win? Does that make them? Oh, well, it, as long as they want to see people saved. Well, again, a lot of people, because of, because of their own issues, because of their own wickedness, because they don't really want to do it, they kind of then, in a way, almost don't want to see other people succeed. They don't want to see other people get saved. That's not a sign, is it? So it's easy to go, oh yeah, but they don't even seem interested in this. That doesn't mean that they're not saved. What about understanding the word of God? Yeah, look, yeah, you know, Jesus did say, my sheep hear my voice, I know them and they follow me. But there are many spiritual babes in Christ, aren't they? And if, if they're not reading the word of God, how are they going to understand the word of God? Oh, well, I'm saved, so now I'm just going to pick up the King James Bible and understand every single nuance in it. Well, no, you've got to read it, don't you? You've got to read it regularly. So there are people that are still, that still haven't had the spiritual milk, yeah? So again, is that, a, uh, you can't, and we love to, we love, look, every Christian at some point kind of looks at people, oh, are they saved? And trying to work out if they're saved or if they're not. Well, in Matthew 12 and from verse 32, Jesus is re rebuking these reprobate Pharisees. He says, And whosoever speaketh the word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whosoever speaketh against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven him, neither in this world, neither in the world to come. Either make the tree good and his fruit good, or else make the tree corrupt and his fruit corrupt, for the tree is known by his fruit. What's the fruit he's talking about? Or verse 34, O generation of vipers, how can ye, being evil, speak 
good things. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. It's what comes out of their mouth. Yeah, what comes out of your mouth? That's what he's talking about here. And that's ultimately all we can really go by, is what comes out of someone's mouth. Now, look, of course, people can lie, can't they? Oh, well, it's not foolproof, brother Ian. Yeah, well, no one said it's going to be foolproof. Okay, God knows the heart, doesn't he? God knows the heart. We don't know the heart. Because if we did know the heart, oh, it'd be great, wouldn't it? Because <laughs> we'd be on false prophet hunts and everything, and it would just be great, yeah? But, but it probably wouldn't be great for us, really, okay? But God knows the heart. God has a reason why that is. We don't know, but we know what comes out of someone's mouth, yeah? And if someone says they believe, and look, remember as well, look, people won't always come out with the exact terminology that we come out with, okay? Not everyone that's saved has to have been saved by an NIFB believing type Christian who, who, who got saved the exact way. We, look, you know you can get saved from other books of the Bible other than the book of Romans, yeah? Didn't know that, yeah? It's the word. It's not the word of God in the book of Romans, okay? People have and do get saved. I, I mean, I bumped into one or two last week who were saved, yeah? Okay, and, and look, maybe there was one that like, I would go away going, yeah, that one guy was saved. Another one, maybe not. But ultimately, you have to go by what their mouth says, don't you? Okay, and, and maybe reassure, if you're a bit unsure, reassure them with a bit of scripture. We don't have to spend 20 minutes trying to disprove and catch them in their words and, and everything else because look, they won't always say exactly the right thing, but if they believe it's grace, if they believe they can't lose their salvation, well, great, yeah? However they word that, it's what comes out of their mouth, which is what we go by, isn't it? But, but that's the fruit, really. And, and some people, some people, out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaker, some people eventually will come out with what they really believe, won't they? And by the way, when you're, I, I was saying this to someone recently, when you're checking someone's salvation to preach the gospel, don't feed them the words, okay? It's not out of the abundance of your mouth their heart speaketh. Okay, so don't go, oh, so do you believe this? Because they'll just go, oh, yeah. You know, oh, yeah, that's what I believe. Yeah, no, no. What do you believe? Yeah, let them talk. Because sometimes you kind of almost want to talk for them, you know? A lot of people here give the gospel. Because some of them, like, like, you know, they, they like to talk. And some people are quite outgoing. And that's why they've got in to preach the gospel from early on. But still give them the chance, yeah? Let them tell you what they believe. Because then, when at the end they go, yeah, I already believe that. <laughs> which they often do, don't they? You go, well, no, you actually said this, yeah? Out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth spoke, yeah? And obviously, and there are people that will say and claim everything right, and further down the line, you'll hear what they really believe, okay? You've just got to wait for that. And the rest of it, look, look, there might be things which kind of spell out that, but ultimately, you're waiting to see what comes out of their mouth. Now, verse 35 says, a good man, in case you're wondering, is, is that what he's really talking about? Well, a good man out of the good treasure of the heart bringeth forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account of in a day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. And obviously he's talking to the false prophets here as well. And that's what, how you know with the false prophet. Eventually they're going to come. Oh, but I heard, them, I heard them preach the right gospel 20 times. I heard them, uh, you know, you get these people who come on when people criticise, like, uh, what's his name? Billy, Billy Balaam, Billy Graham. Oh, but, but I, you haven't, I heard him give the right gospel. Yeah, I'm sure he did give the right gospel. But why is he telling people they have to repent of their sins? Why is he saying that all paths lead to God? Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth yeah, speaketh, because yeah. he's a wicked false prophet. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and, and it's saying when we've been at these churches and been like, yeah, but I have heard him say it right this time. It's just, it's just then he said it's repent of your sins. Look, if that guy believes you've got to repent of your sins, he ain't saved. It doesn't matter what he said before. Amen. Yeah, because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And sometimes you have to wait a while for that. Okay. You don't have to turn it, but Mark 8.34 says, And when he had called the people unto him with his disciples also, he said unto them, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. So there's a choice there, yeah? There's a choice there with discipleship, okay? Whosoever, there's a choice. But even if most never, never ever chose to serve God, would it stop us going out and getting people saved? Would it stop us? Even if none of them become a disciple, are you just going to hang up, hang up your soul winning? Oh, well, I never got, I, I just can't get them into church. No, because we're pulling them out of the fire. Yeah, and, and whether or not, look, it'd be great if we can. We want to encourage them. We want to get them down here. We want to get them involved, of course, don't we? But you can't force them. It's free will, isn't it? They have that decision. There's no point. For, look, you can encourage them and you want to encourage people. But look, some, by the way, some might not at the beginning and then will at a later date. Yeah. There are people that get saved and maybe years down the line. I, th I think, is it Pastor Burzins who, who has that um, testimony, doesn't he? 
that he, he got saved, he did nothing, and it was years down the line that he started living for God. And there are many others like that, aren't there? I mean, I, I know, I mean, a friend of mine recently started coming here. He, he was saved for a year before that. He didn't turn up at church. Started reading his Bible, but that was it. Well, if I, had I never spoken to him again, I wouldn't have known that. I would have just thought, and I could have been like one of the, oh, I'm not saved. But, but he was saved, wasn't he? Yeah. And, and look, we don't have, there's no time on that. And, and, and they might never come to church. It doesn't mean they're not saved. Okay. What's our, so like I said, what's our, what's our benchmark? Well, he says, whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Okay, that's a choice of discipleship after salvation. Because some say, well, you know, what about we saw, we saw you know, continue in his word, yeah? Continue in his word. But again, what's the benchmark with that? One verse a day? One verse a week? You know, one check? There is, there is none, is there? So, so... What about us, so as so here? I'd imagine everyone here, I hope, would like to call themselves a disciple. They're in church, yeah. They're not in the fun centre, yeah. They're in a church where where they're just going to hear the Bible preached. They're in a church where they're going to be encouraged to go out soul winning. I would hope everyone here is saying, yeah, I, I feel like I'm a disciple to some degree. Okay. Well, what's our goal then? What's our goal with with the free will? We've we've made that free will choice to become a disciple. Well, I would say that our our free will, ultimately, is we're trying to get to the point where it's used to choose his will. Yeah, That's what our goal is, isn't it? It's to use our free will. And that's where we want to get to. That's the benchmark, is to get to the point where you're just saying, thy will be done. Okay, And that's where we want to get to. Turn to Psalm, Psalm chapter 40. Well, I read Matthew 6, 9 to 10. So Jesus is teaching them to pray in Matthew 6. You'll turn to Psalm 40. And he said, After this manner, therefore pray ye, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. So he's teaching them to pray just for God's will to be done. Yeah, and look, we, we, we want to get to the point where we know what God's will is going to be as well. And I'm not saying, saying just, oh, that should be your prayer now. Get on your knees, I will be done, get up, crack on with your day, yeah? Maybe, maybe start it with, maybe just chant the Lord's Prayer, yeah? No, we're not saying that, but what, what he's trying to teach them is that, is that that's ultimately where you want your prayers to get to, where it's not about, and look, God gives us free will and he wants us to choose things and everything else, but ultimately you want it to be within his will, don't you? Yeah, not, oh, just God, give me this. I don't care what you want. That's where we want to get to. We want to be choosing his perfect will. And Psalm 40, where you pray to, uh, sorry, where he's turned to, Psalm 40, verse 8 says, I delight to do thy will, O my God, yea, thy law is within my heart. That's where we want to get to, isn't it? Yeah. And that's where God wants our free will to lead us to. And that comes from what? From choosing to put his law in our heart, doesn't it? Yeah. We have the choice to do that. You have the choice, like I said earlier, with, with the memory verse. You have the choice to memorise scripture. You have the choice to write it in your heart. You have the choice to read your Bibles. You, you don't, look, with it, it, God, God isn't forcing you to do that. God tells you to do it. He commands you to do it. But you have the choice, yeah? We all have free will decisions in life. Like we just saw in Matthew 6, verse 10, thy will be done. How often are people just getting on their knees and praying that to God? I was praying, I just want your will in this situation, I want your will in that situation. Pray specifically, but you're just praying just your will. I hope you all are, but that's where we want to get to, isn't it? And that's where we want to be praying for, we just want to be praying for God's will. And that's ultimately where we want our free will to lead us to, is just to pray for God's will. Yeah, pray for God's will in everything. I delight, and then we can get to the point where we say in Psalm 40 verse, I delight to do thy will, O my God. And, and, and again... Does everyone here just delight in doing God's will? I hope you do, but often we don't, do we? But that's where we want to get to. I delight to do that will. I mentioned some of those things today, but the three clear parts where we have that free will, yeah? We have that free will where we have free will, hopefully, to choose God's will. Is one, just in life as a general. Number two, in salvation. And everyone here that's saved, you, you did God's will when you used your free will to get saved, okay? God's not willing that any should perish. So don't ever listen to those idiots that come out with that rubbish about God basically just damning everyone to hell based on his predetermined choices. And number three, though, we have a choice to be a disciple. And, and, and let's add to that, you have a choice as to what sort of disciple you are, yeah? You, you have that choice. So everyone, everyone here, oh, well, I come to church. Look, is, is, that, is, that, is that it? Come, oh, well, I read the book. I'll go soul winning once a week, twice a week, whatever it is. Once a month, whatever it is. 
Right, well, that's it. Look, it's your choice. It's your choice what you do for God. It's your choice how good a church member you are as well. Yeah, it's your choice. Are you just coming to church to tick the box? Or are you coming to church just because, well, I better come to church, but man, if only there was somewhere else I could go to. Well, is that what God wants from you? No. No, God, God gives you that free will choice to be a great Christian, to be a great church member, to be a good disciple. It's up to you if you take it, yeah? Up to you if you take it, but you want to, and, and look, that is God's will, isn't it? Yeah, that's yeah. God's will. We want to be able to say, I delight to do thy will, oh God. On that, let's pray. Father, I thank you, um, I thank you for your word. I thank you for, well, I thank you that we're not robots, that we have that free will, but help us all here to, to make those right decisions. Help us to, to be guided by your word, to then, when we make those decisions, you, you, you allow us to make, that we, that we make the decisions according to your will. That, that for all of us to want to want to do that, to want to serve you, to want to use our free will to be the best children we can to you, to be the best best church members to be the best ultimately disciples we can be help us to just not be poisoned by all the false doctrine out there all the lies all the basically attacks on you attacks on your character um, we, we know that you will intervene we know that you you know you will guide our paths and you will direct our steps but when we do what you want us to do and when we seek that when we seek your will and seek your guidance and we pray that um, you'll just help us in this afternoon to use again use our free will to go out and preach gospel to people and help them to to want to get saved preach them the gospel and give them that choice and um, we pray that we get many people saved this afternoon that we'll return back this afternoon for this evening's service for 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 uh, the study in in romans chapter 11 in jesus name we pray all of this amen